This episode of the American Birding Podcast is brought to you by Vortex Optics. With a wide array of choices and an industry-leading, unlimited, unconditional lifetime warranty, Vortex Optics can provide you with equipment that you'll be comfortable taking anywhere under any conditions. Learn more about their entire range of binoculars and scopes at vortexoptics.com. Welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I'm your host, Nate Swick, and by now, you have almost certainly heard about the 2020 Bird of the Year. It's Cedar Waxwing, Bombicilla sidorum, maybe Bombicilla sidorum, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce that, Cedar Silktail, if you like Latin translations. We announced the Bird of the Year in Chicago at an event featuring the artist Tony Fitzpatrick, and that was a lot of fun. We had a great turnout of Chicago area birders. That is a birding crew that knows how to party, even in the middle of the day on a Sunday. You're just like a flock of cedar waxwings, actually, except instead of holly berries, it was pours of Kinslogger. Savin Blanc, this weedy, fruity beer that was very tasty and very waxwing appropriate. We have had, you know, a great response from folks regarding the choice for the Bird of the Year and the amazing artwork that Tony created for us. Cedar Waxwing is a crowd favorite for sure. It turns out to have been the spark bird for many, many birders, and I, I totally get why. I don't recall my very first cedar waxwing. It was way, way, way at the beginning of my birding career. We had this big mulberry tree in the yard where I grew up that frequently hosted waxwings all year round. I have been fortunate enough to be in the presence of a lot of newer birders when they see cedar waxwings for the first time. And it's not an uncommon bird. So if you're on a bird walk uh, for the very first time, there's a decent chance that you're going to run into them no matter where you are on the continent. And they are stunners, and I think that is something that comes through every time people see them. Uh, just so elegant. They radiate this warmth from that kind of tan, brown, buffy color that they have. Uh, so often seen in flocks, which makes the experience all the more memorable. I, I get why they are the sparkbird for so many people. And, and in many ways, I think the cedar waxwing is the perfect choice for bird of the year for this year, the first of our second 50 years of the ABA. In a previous podcast, the last one of last year uh, called the ABA at 50, ABA President Jeff Gordon mentioned that if the first 50 years of the ABA were all about finding and identifying all the birds of the ABA area, and it's true that the ABA has been all about that then the second 50 years should be all about finding and identifying all the birders in the ABA area. And, and, you know, heck, why stop there? Uh, Cedar waxwings range all the way south to Panama, so if they're not restricted by the geopolitical boundaries, why should we be? But uh, waxwings, more than many birds, are all about community. They famously share berries, they congregate at fruiting trees the way that we congregate around birding hotspots or monthly bird club meetings or rare bird stakeouts or even online at various listservs and groups and forums. They occasionally over imbibe. Uh, These are birds that value community. They take joy in community. Maybe not the same way that we do, but but the connection is pretty obvious and I think pretty appropriate. We chose Cedar Waxwing well before this theme became really overt, but more and more it feels like a very natural choice. And the shirts, 
The shirts are coming. The shirts are hot. Uh, I can't wait to share those with you too. If you have any Cedar Waxwing stories or memories, uh, please let me know. Send me a message if you want to record your thoughts on the voice recorder app on your phone and attach that in an email and send that to me. I might run them on the podcast. So you can send those my way at podcast.aba.org. On the show today, it's not all Cedar Waxwings. I'm going to get a little nostalgic about a trip I took that I didn't really intend to take right before the Waxwing shindig in Chicago. And uh, the people and the places that we interact with that influence our birding and ourselves. Uh, but first, 2020 ABA Bird of the Year artist Tony Fitzpatrick is a Chicago institution. He is an artist, he is an actor, a perpetual novice birder. He has lived many lives, and the most recent of which saw him doing some art for us. And I will talk to him about all of that after this week's Redbirds. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the middle of January 2020. Not a ton to report this time around, but the return of a common crane to Bosque de la Pache National Wildlife Refuge in New Mexico is a nice find. These old world equivalents to our sandhill cranes are rare, but regularly found in places where sandhills congregate in Bosque is definitely that. The two species breed not overly far from each other in East Asia and will occasionally take up with the other species and migrate with them on the wrong continent. A red wing, that's the European thrush, not the North American blackbird, was seen in Lumsden, Newfoundland earlier this month. This is a prime season for those Euro thrushes in the ABA area, as most of them are nomadic, traveling in small flocks in search of fruiting berries. And Newfoundland has a long track record of such birds due to the island's location as the first point of land a bird is likely to see west of Iceland. One first record to report from Florida, and no, it's not a Caribbean vagrant, but one from the north. A common myrrh was photographed in Volusia County, one of the few records of this alcid in the southeast, though they have been increasing in recent years, farther to north in uh, North Carolina at least. This is about it for rarities in the ABA area for the period. For all you can handle, please check out the ABA blog every Friday, or at least the next couple Fridays. We're in the process of transitioning all that stuff to the main website, but you can still find it for now at blog.aba.org. You can also get up-to-the-minute reports of rare birds at the ABA's Rare Bird Alert Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash groups slash ABA Rare, or on our rarity Twitter feed at ABA Bird Alert. My guest Tony Fitzpatrick is the 2020 ABA Bird of the Year artist. His multimedia collage, A Communion of Waxwings, will be featured on the cover of the February 2020 issue of Birding Magazine. His work has been featured at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, and the National Museum of American Art in Washington, D.C., and on the cover of most of Steve Earle's albums. I spoke with him at the Bird of the Year reveal event earlier this month. A quick note. There's a little bit of language in this interview. It's it's mostly PG rated, but you know, just be forewarned. So without further ado, Tony Fitzpatrick. All right, man. Yeah. Good, good. Hey, How thanks, you doing, Tony. man? Yeah. Um, first off, congratulations. Thank it's a you. Really cool Thank you. And what an honor it is to do for the ABA. Uh, I was scared to death. I mean, you've oh, got. Yeah? So, yeah, you have so many uh, heavy hitters. I mean, guys <laughs> who really, really know their birds. You know, uh, Greg Neese, Jeff yeah, yeah. Gordon, Ted Floyd, Jeff Scrutney, Larry Skillethead, Critulis, Fran Morell. I mean... A lot of Chicago guys in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, w whenever I need to know something and get my facts right, yeah, those are the guys I call. So how, how long have you been birding? 
You know, uh, I've, I've loved birds since I was a little boy. They were the yeah. first things I ever drew. Oh, yeah. All right. And uh, birds and naked women, and the nuns <laughs> frowned on the naked women, so right. I was kind of... I kind of veered over into the birds, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm perpetually a novice at yeah. birding, you know? I mean, my field identification has gotten better. Um, I'm in no way disciplined enough to make a list, but uh, every year I see more and different birds, yeah. you know, and I make it a point to travel and yeah. see as many as I can. Well, that's and, one uh, of the great things about birding is that, like, you can invest as much time as you want into it. Precisely. You're always going to find ways to enjoy it. You know, you know what, some, of the, some of the greatest birding I've ever done is in my own backyard in, in, uh, in East Humboldt Park. Yeah. I got a Cooper's Hawk that's clocking all three of my feeders. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the, the cool thing is, is that he never really kills any of the songbirds. He nails the pigeons. He knows. And I figure he, he just thinks, you know, this is a much better meal. That's you right. Know? Yeah. A lot of meat on that. Yeah. And... Uh, but I have, you know, pops finches. I have uh, a couple of nesting pairs of cardinals, some white-throated sparrows. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when, when spring migration happens again, if I nail down some fruit, here and there I get a tanager or That's an cool. oriole. And this yeah. is in Chicago. In the city yeah, in, in the middle of the city. I mean, a lot of people don't think that that's uh, really nature. We always think of nature as something a few hundred miles yeah. away and the truth of it is is that Chicago has a large and complex ecosystem yeah. and um, and we're, we're uh, you know I, I think we should be honor bound to protect it and revere it yeah and uh, I mean particularly when I see the 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 energies going into preserving Labaw Woods you know yeah. Jeff and all those folks who volunteer all the time I mean that moves me to tears yeah. you know um, they've restored about you know, close to 20% of that. That's amazing. And what used to be one of the most polluted yeah. forest preserves and the biggest one in Chicago. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, if you spend all your time like watching nature documentaries on PBS, you get yeah. this impression that like nature is this thing that's like away from It's somewhere from that's you. remote, it's, it's not. It's somewhere else. The, look, the minute, Nate, the minute we walk out the front door, we are in nature. Yeah. And the minute we forget that, nature suffers and so do we. Absolutely, yeah. That bell also tolls for us. Yeah. So, you know? I, I want to talk about the piece of the art that you yeah. created. It's really cool. Yeah, we can't really reveal it yet, can no, no, we? No, we can't. Well, <laughs> actually, we, are, we can talk about as if it has been revealed. Okay. So even though not, it's not official, we can well, talk about I was, it. Well, I was so thrilled because it's absolutely one of my favorite birds in the world. Yeah, so cedar waxwing. Cedar waxwing. Cedar waxwing. Yeah. Um, and what I like about them is that they're a lot like people. You know, oh. when, when the male hands the female those berries, Yeah. You know, they get snot flying drunk on Absolutely. those things. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go mate, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, he... he feels he, very he, real. He gets the girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a strategy I've used myself a couple <laughs> times, you know? But um, uh, I, w I was really nervous when I got the job because I thought, you know, the, the best bird guys in the world are going to be looking at this. <laughs> so I was constantly on Greg Neese's ass to send me images where the color would be as true up right. as possible. And, um, and, you know, we I, I live in a city with some really good bird artists. You know, there's Christine Arnoski, who's yeah. phenomenal, and Peggy McNamara and Diana Sudika, yeah. who I, I suggest for to do Bird of the Year yeah. down the road here. Uh, I mean, all of them are just absolutely great. So I wanted to uh, 
make this as true to the birds themselves as I could, but then also add some poetry to it. Totally. And, uh, and you know, I always maintain that birds kind of inform every part of my life, not yeah. just when I'm out looking at them. It's uh, They are a balm. They are the first music that we ever yeah. had. Um, so uh, yeah, they're they're precious to me, and uh, and to be to be selected was just such an honor. You know, I mean, um, do you have any do you have any kind of special cedar waxwing experiences that have sort of informed I this? I saw before? some. I the first time I ever saw them, believe it or not, was in Montreal. Yeah. In uh, Canada, on the grounds of McGill University. Okay. Because they've got all of those pines and all those right. juniper berry trees up there. Oh yeah. And uh, I saw them doing that exact behavior. Right. Um, I mean, part of my living as an actor, we were up there filming the first episode, the, in fact, the pilot for Patriot. Okay. And, um, and uh, I got to do a lot of birding while I was up there. Oh, cool. Um, Montreal has more green space in, in the city proper, yeah. and including a mountain. Mont Blanc is right uh -huh. there. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, I've talked to people on this podcast. I talked to an actor... Uh, in the very first year that we did this, and I asked him... A lot like, of actors that are birders. There's a lot really of downtime, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. so you have the opportunity to bring a pair of binoculars. You're yeah, and I bring, you know, and I bring a sketchbook, and I bring, yeah. you know... I mean, once I've got my lines nailed down, it, it, there's a lot of waiting, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll bring a couple primed-up etching plates or a sketchbook, and I'll start making... Yeah. ...making work. I mean, like in Canada and in Paris and the other locations... Um, I, I combine a lot of drawing and collage, so I would do the ink and the watercolor work right. um, while I was on set, you know, waiting in my trailer. And then, uh, you know, when I'd get home, I would complete the thought, you know, and complete yeah. the, uh, the images. Yeah. But, um, but this one, I, was, I just felt honor bound to get it right. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, this is the ABA. These are, <laughs> you know... Um, you know, the folks from Birdwatchers Digest are yeah, also very oh, yeah. tight with us. Um, you know, I mean, uh, this, this, these are the, the people I feel most honor-bound to please. Yeah. And was, there's, like, a lot going on yeah. in this piece. Like, yeah, is there, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. almost feels like there are some Easter eggs in there, like some surprises bet, in there that might have been, yeah. like, for you, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been very informed as, as much by visual art as uh, also by poetry. Yeah. And... Um, I, I particularly love uh, Octavio Paz mm -hmm. and um, uh, Emily Dickinson. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, people who, who were very sensitive to nature and, yeah. and uh, made it part of their oeuvre, you know. Yeah. Um, they were the ones that spoke to me. I just read a great collection of the late, great Jim Harrison, who wrote a great deal about nature. And... Uh, we always look to nature as a balm, as a healing, uh, totally. and particularly to birds. You know, yeah. I mean, they're liberated from the laws of gravity, Absolutely. and they uh, and they sing, and they inform our world with beauty. And and they're they're everywhere. Right? Absolutely, I mean, it's hard to miss Absolutely. them. Absolutely, right? yeah. You can be in you know Hammond, Indiana, and you can see great birds. Yeah. You know, um, I love I love realizing what a bounty of uh, riches the lakefront is, yeah, you know? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I saw my first snowy owls there a few years ago, Amazing. you know? And uh, that was like a lifetime kind of thing I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just thrilled to be here. I'm, I'm incredibly flattered and honored that I was chosen this year, and uh, 
I just absolutely enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, you know? can you talk a little bit about your, your process? Like how you do Well, it all starts with a drawing, you know. Yeah. I mean, when Greg sent me the uh, images of uh, the wax wings, it was that same communal kind of totally. yeah. behavior. I thought, this is what I got to catch. This yeah. is what a lot of people find entirely special about cedar wax wings. Mm -hmm. So I drew both of them, and, uh, and I roughed out the shapes, and then... Uh, I started uh, tracing the shapes in the bird, and there's about 15 or 16 different shades of paper in there. And yeah. I put those down, and then used some watercolor and uh, and some uh, uh, watered-down washes, ink washes, uh, to to finish the details. But I just wanted uh, for me, waxwing is always in a weird way to kind of glow. Yeah, totally. They've got this, this yellowy kind of exactly thing yeah, going they're, on. They're, yeah. they're luminous to yeah. me, you know. And I wanted, uh, I also wanted the, the 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 work of art to kind of have this idea of like an almost devotional, an almost religious yeah, uh, kind it. of thing. Yeah. And to me, you know, I'm I'm not, I don't have a deity. I'm not really a believer. Mm. Uh, uh, I believe what Crazy Horse believed. I believe the sun is the almighty and the giver of life. And uh, I believe as far as any supreme being, I believe in a great mystery. Yeah. I'm not meant to understand it. I'll know when I get there. Um, but what I wanted to do was to convey the idea is that I find um, wax wings uh, magical. And they also exist in our world. That's why I put the crossword puzzle elements and the other yeah. human elements in there. Because when we think of nature, nature as something separate from ourselves, a horrible disconnect happens. Totally. We become more and more uh, uh, cavalier and uh, dismissive. And, you know, as you know now, I mean, things like extinction, they don't occur out of ecological cataclysm anymore. They... They occur a thousand paper cuts. Exactly. Things you know, one befouled one befouled waterway, one um, you know plowed over habitat, one, and uh, you know when when it's all over, we ask ourselves, what have we done? It's like, um, I mean, the state of the bird report this past year was just despairing as hell. Yeah. We've lost 30 billion birds since 1970. Yeah. That is the quickest acceleration toward extinction. And uh, recorded natural history. Yeah. So um, I think we all got to be absolute advocates uh, from the environment and for, uh, particularly for birds, which, uh, you know, maintain a fragile balance. I mean, I wish that I could uh, maybe somehow persuade the mayor to make all of these buildings compliant with things that will make you know make it less yeah. apt for birds to hit buildings yeah. you know there's a way to do that you know and um i'm often really inspired by the resilience of birds too absolutely you, know, you give them a chance well you look at their feet and yeah. they're dinosaurs man yeah, they've been around for a long yeah, time right. you know they've, they've seen things. and if you doubt that just take a look at a kingfisher <laughs> and you see in miniature what pterodactyls were totally. you know um yeah. Or a heron, or uh, uh, you know, um, but yeah, I mean they're magical. They're they're uh, they're creatures that uh, get to see a great deal more than we do. Yes, I totally agree. You know, I can't imagine being able to see all that uh, a Caspian tern can 
Odyssey or an Albatross. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just been a really magical uh, kind of journey in my life, and it gets deeper and deeper every time I go. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I combine drawing and collage, and I hope hopefully by the end of uh, making the piece, you know, you don't really finish them; you merely abandon them. You know, um, hopefully you got the lightning into the bottle. You know, so. I, I so. hope so. I yeah. hope so. Well, I like. Thank you so much for. Hey, what a joy it's been to talk to you, man. Thank you so much. It's Congratulations. A piece of work, and I, I look thank forward to, to talking to you a little bit more. Uh, yeah, and this is a great event. You know, yeah. thank you to Jeff Gordon and Greg Nice and Ted Floyd and everybody from ABA. You totally. know, I mean, this right. is really uh, quite an honor, and I'm quite humbled. Yeah, so, man. Great. Thank you well, so much. Again. All, right. All right. Cool. Perfect, Tony. And the week before I was heading up to Chicago to participate in the Bird of the Year reveal that we've been talking about in this entire episode, my grandmother, who lived in central Kansas, passed away. This was not a particularly unexpected thing for my family, nor was it a wholly sad thing, though I do thank you for your condolences. She made it to 97. She was pretty much in control of all her faculties to the very end, which is a good run and probably more than one could expect from one's time on the planet. As funerals tend to be, it was an opportunity to see some family I hadn't seen in a very long time and to visit a place I hadn't been in nearly two decades. So, of course, I threw my binoculars in my bag. A lot of birders can point back to their grandparents as great influences in their own birding lives. And I, I don't know that I can say that. My grandparents were many things and certainly loved nature in their way, but they weren't birders. But the places that they lived probably influenced my birding more than just about anywhere else. They lived in McPherson, Kansas, which is smack in the middle of the state, surrounded by wide open landscapes and honest to God bison. And as a young birder on family trips, we would always make a little space to spend some time at Cheyenne Bottoms and Quivira National Wildlife Refuge. Perhaps that area's most well-known birding sites for good reason. That's where I first saw Snowy Plover and Greater Prairie Chicken and Upland Sandpiper and Least Bittern. When I was older, my grandparents retired and spent the winters in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And many spring breaks, my family would drive down there from Missouri. And y'all know the type of birding that can be had there. Uh, incidentally, the birding is much, much better now than it was back then. So this was back before Quinta Mazatlan and Estera Yana Grande and before Aplomado falcons could be easily found. So if you need a reminder that birders can make a positive difference in a place, you know, there it is. I've, I've seen it. This was a time, though, when you could camp on the trailer loop at Benson and, and I mourn that loss because a morning among the winter Texan campers with their feeders uh, out attracting a kaleidoscope of birds is, is an amazing experience, even if I do acknowledge that the park is much better now that they have done away with that. So even though my grandparents weren't birders per se, they certainly facilitated my birding in a big way, especially at the beginning. I was scheduled to leave Wichita for Chicago that afternoon of my 
grandmother's funeral, but weather in Chicago pushed my flight to the next morning, so I was left with a free afternoon, and I, of course, went birding. Winter in central Kansas is definitively not one of the continent's great birding spectacles, but there are definitely some surprises, not least of which is the sight of a horizon-to-horizon prairie after a winter storm, each stalk of grass encased in an individual straw of ice kind of glistening in the late afternoon golden hour. That's not something you see everywhere. A willowy scrub draw saw spotted towhees and Harris's sparrows on the way out in a foraging barred owl on the way back. And of course, Prairie Falcon, undisputed king of the grasslands. The pastures in this part of the world are hemmed by in by barbed wire with Osage orange fence posts rather than the steel posts that you're likely to find elsewhere. And the falcons definitely prefer to dig their claws into wood rather than metal. And the sight of one of those kind of twisty poles topped with this hulking raptor is as classic a sight of the southern Great Plains in winter as there can be. It was impossible to forget as my dad and I drove those dirt roads outside of McPherson that I would almost certainly never come back to this place that set me on this path as a young birder. I can't say for absolute certain because birding and life can take you in some unpredictable directions, but my family is no longer there, and it's very far away from where I live now, and it's not the easiest place in the world to get to. But even so, it was a fantastic afternoon in a place that meant a lot to me. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of any better way to celebrate a life well lived. American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. We are a membership organization, and the best way to support this podcast and the ABA is to become a member. You can get great magazines, you can get access to discounts from our friends and sponsors, and the knowledge that you are helping to support the birding community in the U.S., Canada, and around the world. Learn more at aba.org join, or check out our e-memberships at aba.org e-member. I want to make a special shout out to the following people, Matthew Ryan of Silver Spring, Maryland, Alex Grant and his family of Seattle, Washington, the Shane Ferguson family of Somerville, Texas, Liza Gray of Wayne, Illinois, William Kurtz of Charlottesville, Virginia, Sean McVicker of Welton, California, Jonathan Creel of Los Alamos, New Mexico, Sean Cass and his family of Naples, Florida, John Boswell and family of Tucson, Arizona, Charles Olive of Powder Springs, Georgia, Kenneth Pinot of Meadville, Pennsylvania, Catherine Sheely of Castle Rock, Colorado, and Alina Martin of Baltimore, Maryland, all of whom joined or rejoined the ABA recently and noted the podcast as a reason. Thank you for that and welcome or welcome back to the ABA. If you are feeling especially generous, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It provides us with great feedback and it helps other bird-friendly people find us. Thank you for that in advance. Executive producer of the podcast and president of the ABA is Jeffrey Gordon. We've been sort of brainstorming appropriate marketing tie-ins for Cedar Waxwing, and Jeff pointed out that maybe the Waxwing's sexy black mask might be appealing to a cosmetics brand. You know, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Mayberry Lean. You can also use that as an Andy Griffith joke if you like. Technical production is by John Lowry, who wonders if anyone is willing to get a haircut inspired by the Cedar Waxwing's crest. Anyone? No? All right. Additional help comes from Greg Neese and David Hartley, who are interested in making something from those little wax tips on the wings of the birds, you know, maybe collecting thousands of them to make a single candle and then selling that candle for $7,000. 
You can find us online at aba.org, on Facebook at facebook.com slash birders, and on Twitter at ABA. Maybe it's it's too obvious, but you know, why not some sort of why not some sort of an alcoholic drink made from fermented juniper berries? I see it now. Silktail gin. It's window smashing good. Maybe too soon. Yeah. Questions and comments can come to podcast at aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Till next time.